But now we're starting to get down to those granular levels of the subgenres. Audiences are becoming becoming attuned to those subgenres, and the algorithms are becoming attuned to those sorts of things too. And I think again, that's where the AI starts to become really interesting is we as humans only have so many data points that we can really notice and, and collect and, you know, run the experiments on ourselves. But with AI and more computerized technology and this and that to look at all of these data points, consume and ingest all of these different videos from all these different creators, from all these different verticals, and, you know, look for stuff that we train it to do, but then also look beyond what we train it to do. In this episode, we talk with one of the most successful couples on YouTube, Matthew and Stephanie Patrick. Matt Pat is best known for his channels, The Game Theorist, The Film Theorist, and Stephanie joins him as a co-host for GT Live. In addition to the 20 million subscribers and 60 million video monthly viewers, Stephanie and Matthew also own Theorist Media. Using data-based methods to accelerate growth on social media. This is Creative Disruption, the intersection where entertainment, data, and creativity meet. Here's your hosts, Ricky Ray Butler and Daryl Leaves. All right, welcome back to Creative Disruption, where we talk with the people that are actually disrupting the industry. And I'm super excited for today's guests. But before we get to them, Ricky Ray Butler, how's it going, my man? It's going well. <laughs> going good. Do you know, I was it's... reading this article today, and it was kind of freaking me out a little bit. So uh -huh. SpaceX is launching up satellites in, you know, the atmosphere and so on and so forth to create a global internet. And the first thing that comes back to me is, like, Skynet. Like, seriously, it's Skynet. <laughs> it's like, because, like, today's topic, we're going to talk really in-depth about AI. Uh -huh. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be, yeah, the topic at hand. Yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm excited about what SpaceX is doing. I actually invested. You're, in SpaceX. you're excited to get yeah. killed by a Terminator no, no, robot. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think the Skynet stuff is going to be happening. I think what's going to happen. <laughs> well, it's, it's going to disagree it's, on that it's, one. It's, 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 <laughs> I think what's going to happen is going to empower loads and loads of people, billions of people, to have free internet that maybe didn't have it before, and and have access and build to educate themselves. And I think there's going to be a lot of good that happens as a result. No, I, I agree, and I hope there's no doom and gloom of some killer robot that comes after me and my family. I think that would be very horrible for that. But <laughs> I do agree with you. It's like um, I served uh, for my church down in South yeah. America in Paraguay, and I was like in the jungle, and I went into this place that they didn't even have running water. They didn't even have power. And I'm like, there's just no place for these people to really get a leg up. The education was horrible. And then the cell phone came out, and internet came out. And what was amazing is one of the kids that was actually living in that house, that hut, um, is a programmer that lives in Uruguay now because he went on YouTube and YouTube was teaching him how to program things without a computer. All he had was his phone and a really, really good mind. I mean, it was yeah. just super amazing. Well, I mean, and, I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see how, you know, that industry specifically evolves. How is this going to affect AT&T? How is it going to affect Verizon? Like, what are they going to need to do, you know, to, to deal with this? And, and how well is it going to work? Is it really going to be, are we going to we'll really be able to provide more people more internet? But... Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting. And I, I think we're, uh, you know, on the, the press, the, basically, we're, we're on the front of a lot of new creators coming up and a lot of new creativity that's going to disrupt the industry. Um, I'm really excited uh, for our topic today. And we have some amazing guests that are coming on to, to discuss it. Um, and it's like a, a big shift. I know a lot of content creators are really upset right now with YouTube because they say, YouTube's killing my channel. But yet they're blaming it on the AI where Google Brain is now running, uh, you know, YouTube and really just suggesting 
people what what videos to watch and these creators that just put out uh mediocre content or content that didn't really connect with you know an audience Mm -hmm. is now being or or not having the ability to evolve with the changes and and so you know we're going to have matt pat and steph no, join uh, Stephanie. Excuse me, <laughs> Matt Patton. Steph. Good? Okay, good. Okay. Okay. No, we're, we're the we're the short. You know. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, anyways, we're gonna have Matt Patton, Steph, who I believe are some of the the, the smartest people uh, when it comes to the algorithm on like you know, social media well, video. Shucks, that means a lot, YouTube, Ricky. Thank you. No, I really, yeah, really, I feel like. I'm going to be the one that gets a lot of education today because right. we're going to have you know, these guys we're as well as you, Daryl, that have <laughs> a great yeah, background in great. algorithms it's be so awesome. and um, AI. And, and, but no, it's, it's going to be great to you know, be able to get your perspective you know, on what's changing with AI and like, with like the YouTube algorithm or algorithms. <laughs> right, um, at this well point. Facebook or Twitch. I mean, you guys are very well-versed across all the different platforms, and we're excited to dive into deep into that. But... First of all, can you guys just give us a quick background on, on, on you both, and then like what currently? I mean, you guys are interested in right now. Like, what, what's you know, what's what, what's something that's just really rocking your world? Ooh, what's yeah. rocking our world oh, right man. now? Start. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Thank, thank you so much. We're like we're so excited to be here. You have so many famous people that you're talking to, and then you're talking to us, and so it's like, oh man, oh man. <laughs> it's like, oh, here's this Oscar-winning director. Oh, and then these two and nerds then, from YouTube. Then, yeah. Like, thank you guys. Geeks who have these YouTube channels, whatever. Um, so whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I feel lucky that I even know you guys. I mean, I mean, oh, I mean, I mean you, you guys are so respected in the industry, and. And whenever I meet with you, whenever like we go out or anything like that, I'm, I'm always learning something. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of like a, a selfish indulgence, I guess. <laughs> there we go. We're, like, we're, now, we're, we're not like, dance, dance. Give us, give us all your knowledge, you know? So. Well, we, we feel the same about you. Um, I can give a quick background. Think about think about stuff we're into. We're, that we're really yeah. excited about right now? Okay, yes, I'll, okay. I'll think about Start it. Start thinking. Hmm. Um, so... So we run uh, the Game Theorist, the Film Theorist, and GT Live YouTube channels. So we have we have three channels, um, and together they're oh, quick math, uh, like together we have 20, 27 million total social followers yeah. across all the different platforms. Yeah, yeah, twenty million coming from uh, from YouTube, and um, we nerd out about all sorts of things in pop culture and basically fuse entertainment with education. Um, to look at your favorite movies, TV shows, and video games through the lens of science, so like math, physics, biology, um, to to help you learn something while um, doing it through the lens of something you already love. Yeah, a, a recent favorite of ours, actually, that, that went up not too long ago, is we calculated the total number of characters who die in Disney animated movies by, by, by doing things like analyzing, okay, how many people, how many lions and hyenas and... Plains animals die in Lion King during yeah. Scar's five-year reign, and calculating like, oh, it's five years because Simba leaves the pride when he's <laughs> X tall, and then he comes back, and he's a fully maned adult, which is usually around five years old. And how tall is Pride Rock? And how long out into the distance is the horizon? And how what's that territory encompass? And how much? So that is oh, the sort of nerdy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is <laughs> first the first stuff. Who even older. thinks about that stuff? Uh, uh, <laughs> clearly, clearly, me. We are answering the questions that no one needed to know the. Answer. No one one cares. (laughs) To do that, we had to watch every single Disney animated movie because there are a bunch – there are death counts out there that exist online. 
but they're they're not comprehensive. <coughs> so we had to go back and watch every single Disney animated. Oh movie. sure, and you, and you and you're like, oh, how hard can that be? Because no, you're watching no, no. like Lion King and Mulan and you all just, all those classics. Wanna, you just want to die. But then I mean, you get into like the deep cuts of like Make Mine Music and <laughs> Melody Time, and you're like, ooh, these these have not aged well. Oh. <laughs> Disney sweeping those under the rug, yeah. um, but uh, but basically the channel started uh, about seven eight years ago at this point uh, where uh, we were both in kind of a transitional phase. Stephanie was graduating from grad school uh, for pharmacology, and I was transitioning out of theater at the time. Um, and it was during the economic slump, and no one really wanted to hire me, even though I had all this background knowledge. Like I, I was valedictorian, I had you know a, a double major in theater and neuroscience. I had uh, directed all these shows. Neuroscience. Oh, is that weird? Is that unusual? <laughs> I mean, it 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 is weird in retrospect to look at that and be like, what was I planning on doing with with theater and neuro? Like the neuroscience was the backup plan. But no, it it actually you look at where we are today, and we're in this really fascinating area where those two things work perfectly together. Where you know, you, science. yeah, Damn. digital video is an ecosystem that is a creative platform, you know, creative platforms that, that require content, but that are built and maintained by algorithms and by people who think in numbers and formulas and that give you back analytics that you can then use to inform your creative decisions moving forward. And so those two really merge together really nicely. Even what we're talking about today, right, with AI really takes, um, it takes understanding how the human brain works and uh, basically digitizing it, right? And talking about how we can get as much data as possible about how people's behavior works, uh, whether they're, you know, engaging online or in a movie theater or whatever kind of entertainment they're they're consuming, whatever they want to get out of the platforms that they're using. It's taking um, how well can a machine understand how the human brain works and applying that, I mean, in our case, to entertainment. And so weirdly, like through whatever serendipity, we've ended up at this interesting crossroads where both of us have a data background, but, um, you know, we we work on this creative platform and those two worlds have been able to come together really well. Mm -hmm. And you also have an agent uh, agency as well, right? We do, yeah. yes. So in addition to, you know, running kind of the production end of things where we have our, our three main channels, we also consult brands, uh, other YouTubers, both large and small um, across everything from optimizing their content to creatively developing their content with them to, uh, you know, how to make your influencer campaign run better, uh, everything, you know, how do you read analytics, uh, and, and then not just on YouTube, but then other social platforms as well. Yeah, our goal with that has been to um, to go in with an all-ships-rise kind of mentality where we realized that we were we were doing things more intentionally, it seemed like, than other people in the space. And we were um, really trying to pay close, close attention to our data and we, and other people outside of, uh, you know, us and, and our channels, whether it's other YouTube creators or brands or whatever, were either not sure how to deal with that data. They didn't want to deal with that data. They were like, no, no, no. Things have been functioning fine the way they are for, for decades. There, there was, I don't need your data. Yeah, space. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that. YouTubers, yes. I mean, YouTubers, <laughs> yeah. less, less so now, but it used to be that they really functioned off of superstition. It was like, I have to click my heels three times before hitting publish, and, that, and that's the only thing that makes my video perform. It was literally like that kind of craziness and so our I, our thought was that like no if we can talk to people about 
how to actually analyze their own performance, they're not going out there and saying things like, YouTube is broken, YouTube is broken, because they can actually look at their own performance and say, well, you know, this isn't working out as well as I'd like, but by reading my data and understanding it, I can figure out how to fix it, how to iterate, how to get better, mm -hmm. and how to sort of ride the wave of, you know, kind of where digital was going. Yeah, and this was especially true for brands in the early yeah. days too, where we would reach out to people and be like, hey, we would be really excited to partner with you on, on an upcoming project. And they'd be the response we'd get back is, oh no, we've done digital video, we've dipped our toe in it. It did, We did one video and it didn't work. It got like zero views, 100 views, whatever. Like. It, there's clearly no market here. Like, there is no future here. And we're like, we disagree. One sample with a one-off. <laughs> right? I mean, obviously. <laughs> they, they, they told the creator, no, you have to do it like this. You can't be yourself. Yeah. Can't be authentic. Yeah. You make make sure way. our creative director's on the set. <laughs> yeah. Because they obviously know how to create a better video it, better than you. Is, yeah. Isn't that how good content gets made? And isn't that how science works? Like, you have you have an N of one, and you're like, oh, well, that was a that fail. Was great. Well, we didn't cure cancer this time. Too bad. Uh, I guess that's uncurable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ship that one out. Um, no, and and so we would have these con enter into these conversations with brands and be like, hey, you know, we will do a video with you for free to start off with, but do it with us, and we will prove to you the value that this space has to offer. And we would do the video, we would do the partnership, and they would come back Man, to I us. Never got we'd... a deal like that. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> you, you you weren't early enough, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I hate to break that one to you. But uh, but it was it was one of those things where but now hopefully you're seeing the the ramifications oh, of no. us kind of spreading the good word. Working with I mean with you guys I mean I mean, I mean we, we've given you guys a handful of clients yeah that where we've like you know come in and, and, and had integrations within your content and it's it's a consistent ROI. Mm -hmm. I mean and that's why we we keep you know bringing business well, back you. to you because there's a return. Yeah. Well, that's and, good. And, and we better keep it up. Very good keep engagement, and then you you. you you make it an opportunity where the brand can help empower the content right. rather than disturb it. Yeah. And it, it works really well. Right. That, that's exactly it. And so in those early days, it was a real, a real big focus of ours to help preach the good word about this space and help people understand it. Because there is a really big learning curve here. For, and, and it's even bigger now oh, than absolutely. it's ever been. Like every year it gets more and more difficult to enter into these digital platforms. Yes, absolutely on YouTube, but all of these digital video platforms. And so if we can help ease that learning curve and empower brands, creators, whoever, to make better content and see more success here, creativity rises, you know, the overall ecosystem rises, and everyone benefits. Absolutely. So you've been on YouTube, like, almost since the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you've been out there when you're unemployable. Right, yeah, <laughs> that's like, true. what do we do? Uh, excuse me, I was very employable. People just didn't see it, okay? <laughs> So you started making video content, and the ecosystem of YouTube back then versus now has really transformed. It's mm -hmm. really changed. There's ways to game it back then to get found and followers and views and right. so on and so forth. And now it's not as easy to, right. to do that. It's, it's hard to be discovered if you're if you're not doing the things that the AI wants. Like, mm -hmm. tell us about that transition as a creator and the, those that you've worked with, um, and then uh, really specifically when uh, Google Brain took over YouTube mm -hmm. and started to be the AI for YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. We also, we like to talk about like generations that we've oh, seen absolutely. on YouTube. Yeah. And I think that corresponds to a, a lot of what you see in the evolution of the platform as a whole and how data savvy um, creators have become. 
that because um, basically, and we were we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast started, where um, you know people who were on YouTube and really successful in the beginning were successful by accident, and right. and also and it ties into all of the superstition and everything. Um, and then you have a couple of generations, you know, later to the to the generation that we're in now, which is you know. Um, you know, kids, 15, 19, maybe like 21 kind of kind of age range um, who at this point have grown up with YouTube, right? They were the first generation who looked at, at YouTube and at big YouTube stars and said, I want to be that as a career. They were the first people to identify YouTube as a career aspiration and then, and then go after it and then figure out what it took to get there. And they did that in a really methodical way, a lot of them. The, the biggest successes that you see on YouTube or the ones that you've seen sort of pop up out of, out of almost nowhere over the last few years, including like the Jakes and Logan Pauls of the world, um, you know, Rice Gum and Collins Key and, um, you know, I'm, there, there are a whole handful that you can just James wrangle Charles off. James Charles example, is a yeah. great example. Um, they're all young. They all grew up with YouTube. They all knew exactly what they wanted to do. They didn't stumble into this by accident. And they looked at what made pe- the people before them successful. They looked at trends they could ride. They understood the importance of keywords and your titles and tagging appropriately and calls to action and, um, you know, creating communities and tropes within your channels. And so you see them um, sort of tick off all of these boxes of everything that they've learned from the generations of YouTubers who have come before them. And by generation, I mean like three years worth, you know. Um, but but they know and they've implemented it all from the start, which has played extremely well into sort of not not gaming in a bad way, but but taking advantage of what they know about audience oh, behavior <laughs> and and then understanding how YouTube treats aud- certain types of audience behavior. If the audience watches longer, then, you know, then your content gets promoted. So they put the most exciting part of the video two-thirds of the way in. So they make sure that people watch all the way through. They, you know, they understand the importance of calling to subscribe and ringing the bell and doing all those other things that play into the data-driven system that's underlying all of their content. Yeah. And they've been extremely smart about yeah. it. The, the new generation of creators are just oh, incredibly smart. Off the charts. I, yeah. mean, I, I was like, I spent some time with Mr. Beast, yeah. which I love his... Oh my yeah, gosh, yeah. yeah. He's phenomenal. Like, seriously, like one of the smartest creators. And he's been doing it since he's 12. Mm-hmm. And all he was looking at is patterns. Yeah. And, and what he told me next literally blew my mind. He goes, I treat it like a video game. Mm-hmm. It's a video game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah. he goes, I just, I just know how to, how to maneuver. And, and yeah. sure enough, you know, he knows how to get those, those clickbaity. I won't even use clickbaity. It's clickable titles. Yeah, right. it, yeah. It's, it's it clickable, I mean, clickable titles. I mean, some of them, I love Mr. Beast, but some of them are a little bit clickbaity. Like, you know, those magnets didn't stop that high-speed rifle bullet. Let's, let's be honest here. You know, more than really 20,000 magnets. No, but really, they, they, they are very, they, very clickable. But they grow yeah. up on that. Mm-hmm. And then two, it's like really knowing what, people are, were wanting to watch. What are they going to click on? Mm-hmm. How are you going to engage with them? You know, what's the right hook? You know, what's the right really to bring them back into the story? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, watching your channels, I mean, I, I've been really impressed. Like your, your pacing is, is very systematic and scientific. Mm-hmm. And, and I look at probably the most successful channels out there mm-hmm. is they have their own pacing and mm-hmm. they understand the pacing of the audience. Yeah. And that's what is able to grow. And I, I, the new, well, I won't say the new algorithm, basically, the algorithm is looking at so many different things, right. but yeah. it is the what is the viewer really doing? Mm-hmm. Are they watching? 
Are they engaging? Yeah. How are they engaging? Are they coming back day after day? Mm -hmm. You know, how are they going from there? And it's like a totally different ecosystem than YouTube was before. It was mm -hmm. like, oh, it has a whole bunch of views. Okay, that's great. Right. Yeah. You, 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 you're, you're, you're made. Right. And when, no. <laughs> when Google Brain took over is really when we started talking about deep neural networks, right? And yeah. when we started talking about the idea of, of AI-driven platforms and AI-driven entertainment, I mean, it was really just such an incredible milestone. Um, and you also have, I mean, on Facebook, you have, uh, what is it? Torch, I think it's run. Their AI, their AI system is run by Torch. Anyway, so so you have analogous systems across other types of entertainment and media consumption platforms as well. But you do you get to so many more inputs than were ever possible to calculate and take and take into account before. And if you ask people, like there are still some that that definitely pop out, right? So watch time is is still huge, right? People want you to stay on their platform. YouTube wants you to stay on YouTube. So watch time is always going to be, you know, a big factor, or at least, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, but, you know, the idea of, of freshness and the idea of, um, you know, of like very granular parts of, of user behavior, like are they are they scrolling while they're watching or are they watching or are they commenting while they're watching? All, all sorts of these other factors that, you know, I think even five years ago were never put, you know, were never taken into account or never even thought about. Well, and I think that's that's the really interesting thing here. You mentioned Mr. Beast and, you know, him noticing trends that just worked for his content, right? Like, right. And, and some of it is explicit that you can actually measure in the quantitative data that YouTube delivers back to you, right? So I can tell you for certainty that using the numerical value of a number will always get you more clicks than using the number written out in the title. Like, that Absolutely. is just a, a fact of human behavior. Yeah, it's like the a psychology time and time again yeah. and it's something that i'm sure he might not be able to explicitly say like oh the data has shown this but he as a creator from watching the trends on his own channel notices that and you'll see that every single video has like a million orbies or twenty thousand whatever like people how to spend a hundred thousand dollars in one hour yeah, yeah like 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 that sort of stuff and it's one of those things that just creators implicitly just like they they start to to really kind of, uh, you know, notice about their own content. What we've really tried to do is explicitly in the data run A-B tests on a lot of our own content and see where those lines exist and what's working and what isn't in a very highly variable system. Um, and the, the fascinating thing about AI and kind of where a lot of the potential here exists is you know, there's only so many explicit data points that we can really pick up on. And sure. there's only so much that we can really measure through the data that we have. And then when you, you mentioned, combine you mentioned those cadence, yeah. for you, instance, yeah. you know, where, you know, cadence, there is no true metric of cadence. Although we in the early days did do a measure of what is the general pace of a YouTube video versus yeah. someone speaking versus whatever. Words per yeah, exactly. How many it's we were to actually calculate how many words per too. second it was. It's gotten way faster. And we and we go through uh we actually did a study across different genres of YouTube as well to figure out which ones had the fastest and slowest cadence. So like uh, some of the the vlogger and entertainment channels have the fastest cadence, and then some of the educational channels are slower. And then you have this like uh, this pretty pretty interesting, um, very formulaic kind of uh, set of cadence across different genres. It's very interesting, but you can do all of that stuff. But it's one of those things now where. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Beauty has a different cadence than um, than automotive, than education, than you know whatever else, than right. gaming. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's easy for people to look at digital video and just assume that you know. All of it is equivalent, you know, but it's not just like entertainment is an equivalent. A, a drama is very different than a comedy. Likewise, the pacing of a YouTube dramatic video is going to be very different than the pacing of a YouTube vlog video, you know, and even within genres of content, it's not equivalent. You know, a, a gaming video is not all created equal. Like there's so many subgenres 
in those fields. And, and you're starting to see the ecosystem start to mature in that understanding. Yeah. But it's been a slow process. And, you know, nowadays in our consulting business that you mentioned, you know, in our consulting business, it used to be that we would consult on overall vertical trends. Like, hey, you want to do a, a beauty channel? Here's, you know, the tips and tricks. You want to do a gaming channel? Here's the optimizations that you want to make. But now we're starting to get down to those granular levels of the subgenres. Audiences are becoming becoming attuned to those subgenres, and the algorithms are becoming attuned to those sorts of things too. And I think, again, that's where the AI starts to become really interesting is we as humans only have so many data points that we can really notice and, and collect and, you know, run the experiments on ourselves. But with AI and more computerized technology and this and that to look at all of these data points, consume and ingest all of these different videos from all these different creators, from all these different verticals, and, you know, look for stuff that we train it to do, but then also look beyond what we train it yeah, to do exactly. and understand stuff that, like, we as humans can't articulate. Like unstructured data. Yeah, 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 yeah. that unstructured you, you data. You can watch a video a hundred times and you're not going to catch everything. Yes, right, exactly. But the computer does, you know, and with enough training, it starts to really notice and sense those things that, like, we ourselves can't articulate, but it can it can suddenly know, like, oh, that's, that's a cue that a normal person wouldn't have picked up on, but it's going to help us inform the creative that much more robust moving forward one of the things and on a macro scale one of the things that we've uh, heard complaints about and have complained about ourselves is that YouTube will change too many things at a time oh, yeah. and <laughs> and doesn't always understand how changing one thing about the way its algorithm functions will ripple across the rest the, of the platform they know what they're doing they, they, they <laughs> uh, the inclusion that. of stories on the platform <laughs> is very <laughs> important guys really, really crucial. seven day long story you know because that was really imperative <laughs> on the platform but with, with AI technology, you actually have the ability to run models that are so, so much more sophisticated than um, then, here I'm gonna tweak. I'm gonna tweak this knob over here and this knob over right. here. I hope they don't interfere with just, each yeah. other. We hope. Yeah, we hope. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And you give it a feedback loop. It's just gonna continue to get push out more and more iterations. Exactly. Right. And those iterations can um, can be so much more complex, and you can keep track of so many more variables and how they change each other, and and how they're going to impact. Um, you know, not just the most popular content on the platform um, that's the most visible, but how is it going to impact creators who are up and coming or specific verticals that may suddenly get buried um, you you can really uh, sense check some of the changes that you know humans may want to implement before implementing them and right. throwing everybody off and I, and I think too it's like it's going in a, an interesting direction the, the AI and it's really empowering the platform to achieve its goals mm -hmm. which is get more watch time get yep. people coming back consistently and it's really featuring creators that are gonna appeal to people watch more mm -hmm. so on and so forth but I I think like there's a thing that I wish YouTube would do mm -hmm. and other other things. It's like you you have all this this data. Like give us some more tools. Like for mm -hmm. me, I would like to create a thumbnail specifically for a specific demographic. Uh huh. You know, and see if it works. And I yep. want to I want to oh, split yeah. test that. Yep, absolutely. And I split test this other one because like like right now for us to do that, we actually buy ads. Yeah, yep. just right. to see which has absolutely. Highest and yep. that's the way we recommend that consulting clients do it because we have been asking YouTube for. Thumbnail A-B testing for four years now. Yeah. And they, so yeah. I was on a beta like four years ago. I, I don't know if I'm still under NDA. Or whatever. Whatever. Whatever that is. We keep hearing But let me just tell you, somewhere. it was the worst yeah. the worst experience because you had to manually send it and then they would switch it. It's yep. like nothing was dynamic. Yeah. And I, I think mm. the thing for me is – Whereas Facebook I know, has I know that, that they're, ability. And it's for A-B testing? For A-B testing. Oh, and, wow. And, and right now, I mean, I'm, I'm using TubeBuddy to kind of mm -hmm. switch that out, which is, which is great. But – 
what's really interesting though is there's there's things like I go to to Netflix and mm -hmm. my wife literally she just goes nuts because I don't watch anything. I'm just flipping through the thumbnails yeah. and I'll switch an account and see how different it is. Mm -hmm. And you go back a couple days or in two or three days and it's a completely different thumbnail. Yep. It's like there is a, a behavior of dynamic thumbnails mm -hmm. and, and I would really love to put like, I don't know, 40 different thumbnails yep. in there and let's just test it out and see what works with what demographic and have the AI do stuff like that. Yep. Because really, at the end of the day, if they're not clicking on that 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 thumbnail or that title, right. they're never going to see the content. No, exactly. it's it's so true, and it's one of those it's one of the big frustrations that I think that a lot of YouTube creators have is the fact that you know they have to rely on clickbait, you know, in order to get people like because if if you have a poorly optimized thumbnail and title for your video that video is never going to get watched. You could have the Citizen Kane of YouTube. <laughs> Citizen Kane wouldn't work on YouTube. In, in the best way possible, you could have the Citizen Kane of YouTube, but if, if it's not branded well on the cover image and how you're packaging that, it's going to never see the light of day. And so I think a lot of people, you know, again, who are kind of guessing in the dark would love this sort of feature. The, the response that we always get back from YouTube, though, when we kind of hold their feet to the fire, and we're like, why is this still not a thing? When so many people are eager for it, is that, oh, bad actors will learn to exploit it. I, I, I'm so sick of that term, right? bad actors. I right? I'm so sick of that. Thank I'll be you. honest with you. Because right? like, like for, for me, at the end of the day, the platform was built on people getting views, right. and they made money on it, yeah. and they, they facilitated that bad actors, whatever they want to call it. But, like I, I think the the market and the viewer will show what content should be made. Yeah. Right, that's and exactly. They should enable that. They so. already have so many other systems in place to actively strike down these quote unquote bad actors. Right, like retention time. If your retention curve follows a you know an odd pattern where it drops off pretty substantially in the first couple seconds, the system already knows that you've created clickbait and that the right. thing you know the video that they've clicked through to isn't delivering on the promise of you know the packaging that that video had and so then it just disappeared we we call it in in our consulting the algorithmic shutdown yep. it, it just disappears from the platform and it doesn't get any more views like those systems and those protections are in place and so you know the bad actors shouldn't be as much of a concern as as you would think that they would yeah. be and, and, I, and they're a little bit more sensitive with advertisers of course. and so on but ultimately um, and I'd encourage anyone to do this is um, really talking about Google Brain is there's a, a tool, Google Vision, mm -hmm. which we all use. Um, you could actually put a thumbnail in there and it will rate it basically if yep. it's safe for advertisers or not. Yep. And when I show creators, they're like, oh, you know, I'm getting delisted or I'm not getting monetized. Yeah. I'm like, Let's just take a look at your thumbnails and yep. your titles. And we, we basically went through that. And that one little tweak mm -hmm. just basically told the AI, oh, we're okay because it's not racy content. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think I think a lot of people too were were gun shy about how these sorts of systems roll out, right? And we're seeing it happen again with Tumblr right now, right. where and the the platform should do a better job of explaining what's really going on. But when YouTube first rolled out the whole demonetization policy, when Tumblr just recently did it for their brand safe content, uh, you know, you see this huge wave of demonetization or like this is labeled not safe for work roll out because they're relying on the content, the, the false flags to train these, these neural networks of like what is and isn't safe, what does and doesn't fall into these lines because they are really blurry in a lot of cases. But when the platform doesn't prepare the people who 
are using the platform for like, hey, you're going to get a lot of false positives. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Just challenge them. Like, how hard is that to yeah. say? And you, they would avoid so much negative backlash. Well, and so, how many channels did they delete, too? I mean, right, they exactly. just deleted and, like, Huge oh, try to get a hold of YouTube. Good luck on that one. Yeah. Right, exactly. No, it's it, – it, and, and so it sends this – Don't call us. We'll call you. Well, and it, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about, like, it sends this message of panic back to and, – and a reactionary message back to the creators who – Feel like they're standing. I mean, they who feel like they're standing on this unstable platform. They're standing on quicksand. They mm -hmm. don't know where the iterations are going to pop up next. And as a result, you know, they complain about YouTube when, in actuality, it might just be you know their bad content or yeah. whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Rather than making it an iterative process and explaining to the platform that we are we are setting a new system in place. This system needs to be trained. Participate in the training, right. and and even you know potentially incentivizing that for creators to make it part of the process of being on YouTube is that you contribute to the way that YouTube functions. And in that, I think that they would actually win a lot of goodwill toward you know. Creators are helping to define the rules of of their own system, or giving them some sort of feeling of ownership over over what's actually going on. But instead, they sort of spring things on people in the dark. And, sure. and Tumblr had the same same issue. Yeah, yeah. Reddit I, Reddit is going right, through same the same. Oh. Thing. I mean, all yeah. the now that all the platforms are like, oh, we need to figure out a way to actually yeah. we need have to make money on us and make money. Yeah, we have huge <laughs> audiences. Like, hey, but... We gotta we gotta change things over. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's talk let's, about let's the positive the... side. Sure, of, sure, sure. Of of the AI, because like for me. I'm really fascinated by it. It, it. it is like one big video game. It's like really trying to figure out everything that's going on because it's like there's this curtain that's there and there's certain things that are going on that you kind of know that's there and, mm -hmm. you know, other things that they, they discuss or you find in white papers or anything mm -hmm. like that. But at the end of the day, I, I believe Google Brain has improved YouTube dramatically. Mm -hmm. Like getting content, like when I go on, getting content that I want to see um, is is really remarkable mm -hmm. because there's certain gems that are just found. They just know based on my viewing behavior, the way that I interact, that it is serving me content that I would actually watch. Mm -hmm. And I've just noticed that it's just improving year after year. Mm -hmm. And the more that I use YouTube, it's getting a lot more defined. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, I don't necessarily subscribe as much anymore, though. Well, well, subscribe, well, that's the subscribership, point. subscribership is at this point a pretty false metric, honestly. Yeah, and and we and we tell brands who we even that we work with, we're like, yeah, we have 11 million subscribers, but you really shouldn't be looking at subscribers yeah, look anymore, at, which is which is weird. Watch me. We'll we'll see we'll see yeah. the correct content being surfaced for them, which is at odds with the way that YouTube still incentivizes subscriber milestones. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 a system that is maybe in flux and doesn't really work well right now right. because at the, on the one hand, YouTube is like, earn your gold play button, earn your diamond play button based on your number of subscribers ba rather than something like based on your watch minutes per video or so, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I don't know. That's not actually a, a great metric. But, but the point is that subscribership does not actually dictate what you're seeing on YouTube at this point and people are still hung up and I think they will still be hung up on it for oh, quite absolutely. a while. Yeah, yeah. But at this point, like we... We get like notifications on our phones for live streams that Markiplier is doing, but we are not subscribed to Markiplier. Whoa, on the, I don't on, know you're allowed to say that. Oh my gosh! Accounts, <laughs> Whoa! Don't let that one slip on the out there. On the I, I, love Mark, on our I love Markiplier's content. He does great stuff. His let's plays are delightful. <laughs> on the con <laughs> it's fine. We ha we have more than one YouTube account. Some of them are subscribed to Markiplier. <laughs> so Some hard. of them might not be. But the 
but the point being it doesn't it doesn't matter what your subscribership status is right you we get surface stuff on our home pages that's mostly stuff we're not subscribed to and it's but it's stuff that we watch we don't need to be subscribed to it and and now the system understands so much more than the explicit data that you give it and we we talk about this a lot as well which is explicit versus implicit data well YouTube has so much more implicit data right now they don't need absolutely. you to like a video they don't need you to subscribe they don't need you to hit the bell they don't need you to leave a comment those are all explicit data points and you may love a video but you might not give it a thumbs up you might mm -hmm. not leave a comment youtube can't rely on user input exactly they can they can understand your behavior without you having to take an action well, i think it, they're ahead of the other platforms oh yeah facebook has nothing like that instagram tries netflix tries well, <laughs> but 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 really like youtube is far beyond like sure. i'm, I'm I, I'm using I would put Amazon there because they, they sure. know exactly what I want to buy. I mean, every time I show Amazon, <laughs> sure, sure, it's sure. like, wait, I need that one click. Oh, wait, what <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, sure. But, but look so at their video, video product, content? and it's yeah. the most infuriating. We're, 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 it's not, so we're not going difficult. on Amazon yeah. video. So, but yeah, so, so, so when it comes to what you want to watch, I mean, I found myself, I can't say I'm being unproductive, but like I'm I'm diving to a lot of the education channels. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, like simple, I mean, um, was it like top tens or like, mm -hmm. like all those different channels that give you a lot of history lessons and all yep. that stuff. And whenever I go to my homepage now, I don't subscribe to any of these channels. Yeah. I will find something that I want to watch mm -hmm. and I'll end up, you know, you know, passively listening to it for, you know, a couple hours. Well, and, and I think that's the thing that, again, YouTube especially doesn't do a good job of touting its own successes and the way that it's listening to the the feedback that it's getting from its its users and especially a lot of its super users because Rewind, say, two years ago, oh, yeah. and YouTube <laughs> Rewind... Yeah. Huh, let's not bring that one up. Uh, <laughs> a little too soon. Is it, sorry, is that too soon, guys? I apologize. It happens every year. You know, <laughs> you know sorry. Um, no, but if we, if we were to rewind two years ago, one of the big complaints that people had about the system was that there wasn't good discovery mechanisms for smaller channels and that it right. was like very top heavy on, on YouTube where it was the top creators who were getting all the promotion, they were getting all the suggested video traffic and they were succeeding, but it, a lot of smaller and mid-tier creators were struggling to find their audiences because they felt like that they weren't getting suggested video. And, and certainly some of them weren't doing it in the most optimized ways possible, sure. but you look ahead to YouTube today and I would say a good 75% of my homepage at this point are channels that I've never seen before or maybe have watched one video of that have maybe 10,000, 100,000 subscribers that, you know, that are just like based on my interest. And so I have found myself subscribing or actively watching and binging a lot of new channels that I would have never come across in my in my day-to-day -day usership just from the homepage discovery. And so that's been addressed. Uh, similar with uh, the need to take breaks. Certainly, YouTube still has this time right. crunch around it where, like, you know, it was always that superstition of I can't leave YouTube because as soon as I hop off that treadmill, I lose everything that I've gained and, and it just washes away. My audience moves on to the next thing. The algorithm no longer prioritizes me. And, you know, YouTube has done a fairly decent job and no one's talking about this but they've done a fairly well, decent job about it quite a bit it's it's, 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 it's amazing it it's is like they've done a really good job addressing it all the all your views are now coming after mm -hmm. you know that that first initial push it's mm -hmm. like literally 45 days after you're gonna see a ton yep. 
I mean, I, I own a lot of channels. I don't like to talk about it, but we own quite a few. <laughs> Hashtag humble brag. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, no, of no, no, no. But, but it's, it's stuff that, you know, I don't go and promote yeah. or anything like that, but they get a ton of views and it's all, you know, 90 days out, year out, two years out, yep. you know, content that's already there in the library. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives me a lot of data points that's there. And a lot of people say, well, I can't take a break. I'm like, yes, you can. Yep. But the type of content that you're maybe creating you can't take a break. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing a, a vlog where you wake up in the morning and, right. and go all the way to the to the to the evening, and you're yeah. putting it out the next day, well, of course you can't take a break. Right. Well, well, is it because you need to have something that's going to have residuals, where where there's going to be more and more viewers that are searching it? I mean, I mean, I mean, what do you mean by you can't take a break? Well, I mean, how how do you avoid? How do you avoid yeah. it? Well, you got to create content that is more evergreen. You got to mm-hmm. like like a standalone. So if it's just like one event, this hey, I did it. You know, it's my birthday party, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. People, it might not have any relevance for anyone there. Yeah. But if it's more standalone, where it's like it's it's its own thing, it could people watch it. Yeah, it might get more views seasonally or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. There might be moments that it'll have more views, but ultimately it's something that can continue on every day. Yeah, and it was long tell. And it was also yeah. one of those things too, where it used to be like, "Wow, I I need just a vacation, and I'm not going to put up videos for a couple weeks, a month, whatever." You would come back, and there would be some level of throttling in the in the system, where like that next upload that you did would be would have lost kind of the the trajectory that you were headed on. Like, you know, you were getting shown to a, a smaller percentage of your overall viewership because you took that break. But YouTube, hearing that concern, has really addressed that where now that video that you come back on, like, will get disseminated to a, a decent-sized proportion of your audience the problem is though it you have to like you get one shot in the chamber this is this is from kind of our studies of the platform right now where you can take that break but make sure that you're coming back on a video that's gonna really reactivate those audiences because youtube's gonna be like oh this is a channel that people were really actively engaged with when they stopped uploading here's their new upload let's send it back out to them but if all of a sudden that video doesn't perform out of the gate, YouTube's going to be like, okay, everyone's kind of grown out of this one. They're not interested in this one anymore. So Let's move it on. It yeah, it's, it's a high-risk reward model. There are some really, good, ex- yeah, there are some really good examples of that one. <laughs> oh, <they're> the, <laughs> I, I'm waiting for all those documentaries to come out. When I know, it, yeah. I know. Well, I, and speaking of – actually, that's one of the best examples of this, this yeah. whole – yeah, the, the Shane Dawson documentaries yep. are the perfect Amazing. example of this. Yeah. Um, the Epic Rap Battles of History is also an example of a channel who's – one of the few who's managed to do it actually historically historically where they they actually function on seasons where most channels can't do that but that model is now becoming more and more feasible again as long as you're prepared and you're when you when you come back you're really ready to get back into it and and knock it out of the park hopefully you know and, and I think the big thing for me is that the AI is really helping creators know what to create I, I had a client come to me and says oh YouTube's killing my channel I'm dying blah 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 I says well let's kind of dive in yeah. and see what's actually going on and the tools now that creators have is just off the charts. Mm-hmm. Like, I was really excited when, when real time analytics came in. I'm like, hey, we yeah. see stuff in real time. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it's I'm unbelievable. Gonna, I was yeah. the only one that was geeking out. I was like, hey, you know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, the new tool set that we have is just literally off the charts because I've always wanted click through data. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. That, for me, I, I felt is that, that that's the trigger that yeah. starts the, the, you know, the wheels really going in. It's one of the only things like, I care about. Right, absolutely, right. sure. <laughs> and, 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 the, and, and the new tools that creators have now, having them know how to read it mm-hmm. is yeah. a completely different thing. And right. So this, this uh, client came in and says, you know, YouTube's just killing my channel. Well, let's take a look at your content. 
And I says, let's look at your, we'll put them in groups. Like, mm -hmm. let's go ahead and take a look at your most performing content. Let's see what, you know, what's going on there and your least performing content mm -hmm. and then your latest content. Yeah. So we basically had a couple things and they were kind of blown away that their new content sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. But I have an audience. They love me. I'm like, well, they can only love you so much when you're putting out crap. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and what's, what's great though is you can pinpoint and mm -hmm. you can start to see patterns and you can start to see things and the tools that we have now gives the creator a little bit more control mm -hmm. to create better content from oh, my yeah. perspective. Going back to talking about the thumbnail A-B testing, YouTube has like set up everything you would need for that process with the new impressions and imp and, and specifically the impressions click-through rate and stuff like that because it targets exactly like exactly that. If you had the ability to A-B test thumbnails, you could you, you have all of the other data and all – all the other tools you would need to actually make functional experiments out of that. The the stuff that they're adding is really exciting. We we talk to them a lot. We actually, you know, we see all the beta versions of new creator studios that come out, you know, a, a few months in advance. We give feedback on the layout and, you know, hey, can you have this this drop down menu or hey, can you can you make sure that I, I people need, can cross this I need data? Groups. Yeah. yeah. I need Thank you. Right. Thank like, you. So I'm like, you I'm cannot get to, rid of groups. I'm like like for me, I'm like I went through this whole thing. I have to click back and I leave a little yep. survey every time I'm like Groups. You're killing me. Groups. Groups. Right? groups. groups. Like I know. How, how are you supposed to ever know patterns yeah. between videos if you can't group them together? Thank it's you. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my nuts. number one complaint. It's, we it's, should start something. I know, just right? like, no, <laughs> absolutely. We, we're actually due for an email to, to well, the team. Actually. And the, okay. Well, the thing was, and they and I said that like six months ago, and they were like, well, what do you use groups for? And I was like, everything. Right. Literally that's, everything. That's why I think every YouTube employee should be a creator because, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they need to go through the pain points here. It's so true. But going back to what you were saying about about like, you know, hey, your content sucks. Uh, that's the the scary thing about data. And I think that's one of the fascinating things about data, right? Is, you know, when you look at the data around what you're doing on a creative project, it's, it's a very humbling process. And it can be a very scary process because you do start to realize that this thing like that you put hours of your life into, that you put your creative passions into or whatever, just isn't working for right. some reason. Like, oh, it was a failure and I need to change and I need to iterate and I need to move on. Um, it's And I think it's one of those things that a lot of people, especially coming from the creative and entertainment industries, aren't comfortable doing. And you're starting to see that shift happen. But it was one of those things that like in, in the early days, like I was consulting for a completely different project that was like, we can help optimize your, your digital video ads and this and that, get more ROI out of what you're working on. And time and time again, we heard the catchphrase from people being like, "We're we don't look at the data. We're scared of the data. Like we are uncomfortable. <laughs> we don't look at it. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't exist. exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And and in a lot of cases, it was because like, oh, my job's on the line. And so oh if gosh, I if I mean, all of a sudden it. I have something that underperforms or underdelivers or whatever, my job is at risk. Whereas today, and 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 our response was always like, yeah, but it gives you so much more control over the the funnel, Absolutely. the watch funnel of like." You can find your customer. You can find the the views. You can funnel them down through a click-through. You can see how many people convert off of this link to that link and then ultimately become a converting subscriber. Why would you not want that data and that level of knowledge about what you're doing? And you can optimize and iterate and find the most optimal way to find your customer. And if you don't, is that – I mean, like, like there are like a couple come-to-Jesus moments that we've had with people in, in marketing departments being like, you know, if you don't start looking at this data – the people who come in and do your job after you will. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean that kind of, that's that's sort of the way it is. And I mean even even now though in like a week and a half we're going um to like a really a really big company mm -hmm. to 
to talk to their entire North American marketing team, which is a very large group, and we're supposed to talk to them about data, and we're specifically supposed to address the fact that data isn't scary. This is one of the top okay brands to and in all the it. conversations. Like we, yeah, and we, and like, and we want our employees to know that like, like you're using data, but it's okay. And it's, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's scary, but they, wow. but they shouldn't be yeah. afraid of it. And we're like, all right, well, okay. Yeah, the, the, basically <laughs> our job there is not. to humanize the data. Anyone yeah. at that training would record that. But anyway, <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> no, I, I think that's changing and it's going to change. Yes, it is. Quick, I mean, much, much faster. I mean, like, for example, I think with creators specifically, you're seeing more and more business savvy creators. Mm -hmm. People oh, yeah. that just, they're numbers driven. They're really sharp. Like yeah. Mr. Beast type. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when before, it was a very emotional experience working with creators. Yeah. Like, I mean, even doing like um, collaborations with them, it, mm -hmm. it was, it was, it's much more difficult because, you know, you know they really weren't figuring out how to be consistent with their right. programming, and yeah. how to be consistent with their views and metrics. Yeah. But the issue right now, I, I'd say specifically in, in our world, from a marketing perspective, is there's too many marketing um, groups mm -hmm. or, or executives that just like to check things off the list. Mm -hmm. And that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And and they just want to you know check it off the list and show that they, they've done it. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the companies are really thriving right now, especially um, in the influencer space or with digital marketing are those companies that are are very data savvy mm -hmm. and and doing everything they can to measure actual ROI mm -hmm. even if they're a big company yeah. because you can measure it yeah. just most big companies are somewhat not not most but there's a lot of big companies that are pretty lazy when it comes to actually trying to measure the cell. Mm -hmm. It really and, takes effort and it takes being really self-reflective and understanding that you're, like we were talking about before, like how you, what comes back to you might not be what you want to see, but you have to, you have to do it and if, you have to accept that. If you don't that. do it, you're not going to be in existence. I mean, that, exactly. I that's the way I look at it. No, it's, it's, like, it's so true. You have to develop a, you know, a, a, a thick skin yeah, to what the data is telling you. what the data is. And, yeah. and I think it's, it's so funny because another one of our consulting clients in one of our first projects that we did with them, we, you know, they're like, hey, we want you to do a social media review of this campaign we did on Twitter for X brand integration. We're like, okay, great. We can absolutely do that. And they did so many things wrong. And as part of our presentation, oh, we, yeah. we listed it out. We're like, hey, you started, you know, like your video has like a six second, you know, cover art. Every single time you start a video, Twitter doesn't work. Like you need to hit them right off the bat and then either insert in, like all, all this kind of like very basic best practice stuff like we weren't even getting into the hard stuff we were just like from a very fundamental level you are missing all of these opportunities here and the our the, our partner uh, the, the kind of our contact who is managing the project they're like we need you to remove all of these slides because the person in the, the there's going to be the person who worked on that campaign in the room hearing this and we're and like, like isn't that a that's like point. that's, 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 that's point. a good thing right <laughs> like so that they can learn and grow and iterate and they're like no, no, they might be offended by it. And we're like, but that doesn't but matter. That, yeah. that you can't, you have to be dispassionate about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for good, and, and what you brought up earlier about, you know, new creators on YouTube, these Gen 4 creators being, dis, you know, dispassionate, more numbers driven. Yeah. It, it, it's a double-sided, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? The, like, yeah, it's, it's good side. because you have people who are, 
approaching it the same way we are, which is like, let's look at the numbers. Let's experiment. Did that work? Great. Let, you know, we've optimized our content a little bit better. Did that not work? Okay. Like that's kind of a bummer. I'm sad that we lost that video, but so be it. Let's move on. Let's grow. Let's continue to learn. But, but you, you have some other, you have some other things on that, on that other side of the coin where, um, we've worked with some of the, some of the gen four creators who are also great, smart, amazing. Um, but they really separate out their sort of like business from anything else. So they'll be like, nah, yeah, this other creator, um, they want to collab with us and like, you know, we can be friends with them or whatever, but their click-through rates aren't high enough and they don't drive enough subscribers yeah. and they don't get enough watch time. And I saw their last five videos and they're underperforming relative to their average. Uh, and I refuse to, and I, I refuse to collab with them. Wow. And they're, and they're taking, and these are people like, they're supposed to be real good friends. Like, yeah. you know, this is yeah. this is yes. like you you take everything by the numbers and also you run into this this issue where, you know, that real-time data right, that right. that we like love and nerd out about. We've had working with some of those creators, they'll put up a video and we'll get a like we we've we've literally gotten like panicked phone calls <laughs> 10 minutes after they've uploaded a video being like, "I'm watching the real-time data and right now I'm 10,000 views under where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to take the video down." Mm -hmm. And we're like, "It's been and, up and for, you talk for, them for off 10 minutes and you like have to like wrench them off the edge because you're like you have to let things play out. You like if this was an experiment that didn't that didn't work, you have it's to let it out. not work. Yeah, right. And then you t and then you figure out why. Because if you take it down 10 if you take a video down 10 minutes after it goes up, you have no idea what happened to that video. You have no data going on. Exactly. You have nothing to analyze afterwards. You have to learn from things, mm -hmm. but they're so into the data that sometimes they actually hamstring themselves. Absolutely. What I find fascinating too, especially with the collab and like they don't have the click through rate and so on and so forth. Yeah. Like they they really know their audience. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, no, it's not the same audience. Yeah. Like, yeah, it would be great. They have a bajillion followers and yeah. you know, they get a ton of views, great click through rate, but they're not the right audience. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I think the AI is getting so smart on that audience and those audiences that cross over and go from there, mm -hmm. that's some very, very important data. And I've seen channels just explode because their 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 content resonates really well with a particular audience. And it doesn't matter if they're small or big, they start to collaborate and that's where, you know magic happens. Yeah, you start Absolutely. to have that real synergistic programming loop happen and everyone just grows together. We've yeah. also asked for Hasn't years it for... It, it, it's happened because to a point where... You, I think early on you could always tell the creators that acted like an island. Mm -hmm. or an island that they, they end up, you know, not lasting long. Then everyone else that was collaborating all the time were always the, the ones that skyrocketed. Let me tell you, like Matthias, like, let, let me just give you a perfect example. Yeah. So Matthias... Brilliant YouTuber, you know, his, his, his pacing and everything's brilliant. His, his thumbnails are right. amazing, his, you know, titles, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. But it's like, once you understand your avatar, it's like, okay, what else can we do? Mm -hmm. And he's built himself a little network of, of channels, not little. I mean, right, yeah, they're, they're yeah. substantial at this point. Right? Yeah, very, very substantial, what, 300, 400 million mm -hmm. views a month. But it's just like, they really understand their avatar too. And this, the smart thing is they're like, look, we can create another channel for people that are starting to get disconnected with this content because they're growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, what's the next thing for them to, right, know, to move on to. to go to? And so that's where it's at. And I think those types of collaborations where, you know, the creator can say, look, I can bring someone in, start a channel. We can start to, you know, use the audience over there and mm -hmm. kind of grow up from there. That's where we're going to see a lot of, uh, of, you know, differences in the world. Oh yeah. Right. Right. And and I mean just putting a cap on that whole idea of creating a network of of channels, one of the things that we always ask YouTube for is overlap data between channels. Oh, even if, even <laughs> right. if no, of course not. We we've heard rumors <laughs> of like ones that you own, 
um, like if like he owns a network of right. channels, right? Wouldn't it be nice to see how many of those subscribers actually overlap so you could have an accurate total subscriber number rather than just adding one channel's worth of subscribers to another? Because you know there's significant overlap there, so right? So one, one, one tool that I would love to have in the new Studio Bania 2 mm -hmm. is to switch toggle between subscriber and non-subscriber. Mm -hmm. Because it's just, mm -hmm. it shocks everyone when they're like, right. oh, they're not subscribed to me. And yet, right. they could, you know, they're watching my content. Yeah. Like, well, then it doesn't matter. But uh -huh. I do believe that it's like, if we could see a little bit more da data on the crossover, that would make creators a lot more uh, consistent mm -hmm. and put out better content, which would achieve the goal of what YouTube wants, which exactly. is people to watch more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I agree. Okay, so we've gone through a lot. Well, I, I, had, I, had, I, had, I had nothing there. The, the one thing, the one thing I do want to say, I don't know. It's, it felt, it felt like, it felt like we were wrapping this up. We're not wrapping it up. Oh, great! We're just well, started oh, great! One more time. Good. That's that's good to hear because I, I, the thing I wanted to throw out there, and I didn't know if the discussion was going to deviate away from this, but it's tangentially related to what we were talking about, which is people underestimating how the algorithm ultimately dictates what people watch and content yeah. tastes and trends. Like it's easy to say like, oh yeah, you optimize for watch time and this and that, or, or like the content sucked or exactly. whatever and, and it underperformed. But I think one thing that, that YouTube itself doesn't really like acknowledge and, and that audiences don't really think about is that their tastes are being influenced by the priorities of the platform and what the algorithm chooses to show them. Right. And what creators will make in the future too. Because mm -hmm. I mean that it's just kind of one of those things that's like, oh, here we're going to show this content. They're really engaging with it. Uh, and then – People are going to look at that. Oh, man, I got a whole bunch of views and a whole bunch of engagement. I'm going to make a video just like it, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. just kind of piggyback off that. So. Yeah, but it is. It's, it's one of those things where, like, you know, do you think that people naturally gravitated toward, like, the average watch time now of, like, 15-minute videos on YouTube? No, not necessarily, but that's what the algorithm has kind of pushed people into. And so it's easy to – like, we're talking about how AI and data are helping mm -hmm. to inform, like – very like granular data driven decisions on individual pieces of content. But I think one thing that deserves mention is the fact that from a platform standpoint, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, they all have their priorities and the algorithms are kind of funneling people into certain types of content. And that in turn is affecting like, oh, I'm really excited about this person's content because they're playing into what the algorithm is like the sub the, the subliminal message behind it all is they're playing into what the, the algorithm wants me to be consuming. Like I'm really excited about sports content. That's probably because the algorithm and and like all the features and suggested video are giving you sports content. So that way, like sports becomes a more viable thing on the platform, and it becomes a new vertical. And food, and you like well, you see I those think things podcasts, grow. I think YouTube is going to overtake a lot of the platforms when it comes to podcasts. Sure, mm -hmm. like that's just exploding right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's what I've been gravitating towards. Oh my gosh, it's almost like you created this podcast, right? It's like, oh my, huh? Interesting content strategies, eh? I know it's about to explode. Savvy creators, huh? But no, well, and it's. I think it's because of the watch time. I mean, I mean, I mean, oh yeah. There, I mean, you have like a Joe Rogan that uploads a thing, a video a week that's two hours long, and 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 then he edits. And it's all up and has, you know, a bunch of clips out there as well. And I mean, it's, it's really smart and there's a lot of people doing that. It's becoming its own vertical yeah. Yeah. and that's exciting, mm -hmm. especially from me, like from the marketing side, because podcasts for me have, when it comes to like doing brand integration or sponsorships have always kind of had like a, a weakness where it's, it's too radio-esque mm -hmm. where yeah. it's like, Hey, now check this out at da 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 dot com. Right. And, and there's no linking out or anything like that. And now I, I feel like, 
you can do a more effective integration where it's you know more naturally integrated mm -hmm. that can actually link out mm -hmm. instead of having to have some weird um, customized URL. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. The thing that we always tell our consulting clients is, you know, you really have to match the content for the platform that it's airing on, right? You know, 15 minutes, good standard, like general best practice on YouTube at this point. Like you can go into granular about the verticals, but like say 15 minutes, 15 minutes is never going to work on, on Facebook unless it's in very specific formats because Facebook just in general, the audience isn't there to watch something that long. There's much closer to like one, two, three, sure. like that popcorn, you know, viral content that started on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But, um, but podcasts are really interesting because they're one of the few formats that really kind of run the gamut and can span a lot of different platforms, right. both visual platform and sound-only platform. Uh, and so they're one of the most versatile content verticals out there for exactly that reason, because people are, you know, they're playing into those watch time algorithms. You can have a very simple video, you know, very simple video, like, uh, bonus to it that you allows you to upload it onto YouTube and Facebook and things like that. But then it also plays off of all the places podcasts normally get distributed. And so content in general, it's, it's difficult to kind of syndicate to a lot of different places. Like you can do it, but will it actually succeed in those places? Right. It's usually sure. not worth the time, but podcast is one of those few that actually is optimized for a lot of different platforms and can see its own success in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different places. And I think too, it's like the, the generation that's actually listening or watching the podcast. It's like, there's certain types of things that they want to consume. Like when they go to YouTube, generally it's like, I want to be entertained. I want to mm -hmm. be educated yep. you know, from there with podcasts though. It's just more, Hey, um, I got some time to spare. Mm -hmm. What am I going to listen to on the plane yeah. or, you know, it's replaced radio on the commute. Exactly. It's replaced. Yeah. It's replaced reading a book on an airplane. It's, it's it, you. One of the great things about podcasts is that it's everywhere and, and you can, you can download them. You can take them with you. The, the, they feel like such a more flexible format than video and they feel so much more um, transportable than something like radio. Right. Absolutely. Now let's, let's kind of break it down. Cause I think, you guys know the AI so well. I mean, you consult for, you know, different brands and yeah. businesses and channels that are out there. What do you do when you're creating content? Like, take us through the process. When you create a content, like, what, what, what do you think about beforehand before you actually pick up the camera and start recording? Yeah. I, I mean, the first thing, and I think this is a step in the process that everyone always overlooks, is, is first asking what's the goal of the piece of content? Yeah. You know, not every video is going to accomplish the same goal as any any other video. Like and, you can, one, and it can't accomplish everything. Yeah, either. one that's the big one. One video cannot accomplish five different goals. You have to have one, one it's one all, basically line. one yeah, right. one video, one goal. Right. And, and that's the goal of that video. Next time, focus on something else. But people get, uh, they refuse to put on blinders when they're creating content a lot of times. And so they're like, well, I wanted to get a lot of views and a lot of likes and a lot of comments. And I want it to be a subscriber driver. And I want it to <laughs> be, you know, embedded in X, Y, and Z websites. And you cannot do that all at once. Right. And so the first question that we always ask ourselves is like, okay, what what on our channel do we do we need more of and like what are the videos going that are going to help us get there right and so we try in our programming calendars to find a proper cadence of this is a, a subscriber building episode that's going to get wider dissemination get people excited about a, covering a trending topic or something that's very relevant that we then do a very strong call to subscribe at the end that's going to get people to kind of 
and become where, new followers. Where do you do channel. your research? I mean, is that something that you're just kind of going out through YouTube and say, okay, here's some things that are trending there. Are you looking at that? You're going into Reddit. What a, are you? A lot of it is by being content consumers ourselves and understanding what people are watching and and trying to understand why that's a you know an appealing content trend for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, it's also you know. Some of it's our personal taste, but it's really trying to be attuned to what has the audience responded to recently combined with what are we seeing on the platform. Um, and then and then we take into account other things that we've done in the past just that we have as underlying data, like what are the personality traits of our audience because right. we've run surveys on that and what are, you know, what are the identities that our audience most gravitates toward because we've run, it, we've run surveys on that too. And so we, we have a set of underlying data. We have what has our audience responded to recently and we have what's floating around out there that we think aligns with the interests that exist uh, in our core fan base. And, and, and where we can add value through our video, you know, exactly. our unique take on whatever the topic is or, you know, um, you know, through our video component. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's that's where it starts. So, like, you have your subscriber building episodes. You have your, uh, I like, our, our monetization episodes where it's like, hey, you know, this is a video that's just going to monetize better than other videos in our repertoire because it has more searchable key phrases. It has something that is it's building you know, on the hype of something that's right. like that's, that's hot awesome. right now and that we know is there are big marketing dollars behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so every once in a while, there's that we do collaboration vehicles where um, you know we know that we're looking to cross over with someone else's audience or we are directly crossing over by actually doing a collaboration. Yeah, um, and and then things like and and then the ones that are super serving the fans where we're like hey we know that this one isn't going to you know blow it's not going to be the number one video on trending or whatever but yeah it's 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 of a it's of a a small niche franchise or of a topic that they come to us specifically for it might not have wider audience appeal but for the people who've been following us for all these years they it's something that they'll appreciate they'll know and and will show them that hey we are still you know, doing the content for you as well. And we, we're still very much in touch with this community. And we do that for game theory. We do that for film theory. We do that for GT Live too. And I think that's another place that people overlook Absolutely. is is live streams. Again, people are like, I'm just going to flip on a camera and do whatever. Just and it's going to and it's <laughs> gonna work. It. Yeah, I'm going live. We're doing it live, you know? And they're like, it's, wait, wait, wait. Got to do a story first. Well, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> let, let me story it. Let me promote it on Twitter. And then I have no idea what I'm going to do when I actually flip on the camera. And it's one of those things that I think people overlook look like live is content just like anything else and people like sure you might get a couple views from doing off the cuff whatever but having a structured goal a narrative a, a purpose for doing that live stream is important so even when we're programming that GT is live, so hard for a lot of creators it I is mean, like seriously i don't like we have the same discussion when i'm with 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 uh some uh consulting clients but it's like at the end of the day it's like, wait a minute, I have to put some effort into this beforehand? Right. I mean, I can't just, it's, it's, I can't just turn the easy. camera on yeah. and just go? Right. People love me. Yeah. Love me. They're going to watch everything that I do. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So I, that's awesome. I watch a lot of your content. I had no idea how calculated it was. It's just, <laughs> like, like, okay, right only, now, um, let's build loyalty. He's only right. yeah. subscribers. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, that, that, that's awesome. So with all these different goals, how do you incorporate a brand? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and where does it fall in like, you know, I mean, like, I mean, is a brand integration its own goal? Mm-hmm. Or is it like, and what type of video does it perform best in? Mm-hmm. Is, is it the yeah. one where you guys are going for subscribers mm-hmm. or loyalty or um, monetization? Depends mm-hmm. on the brand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It all depends on. So, so 
whatever brand we're working with, right, are, is going to have a specific audience in mind. And hopefully they're willing to share that with us. And I mean, even that's a struggle sometimes. Like what demo, not even, not even like what demographics are you going for? I mean, that should be the basic, right. basic, but I mean, what type of person, what are, are do you actually want like to be reaching with this ad? Yeah. What are the psychographics? What should they be interested in? What should they be passionate about? Um, what, what adjacent franchises or products or, or kinds of things would be in their world? And if we know that, the, I mean, first of all, the more we know, the better job we can do, right? Because the more information we have, the more we can, we can build a world around the brand that we're working with, right? And, and do that in a voice that the audience, you know, understands because we're, you know, we're speaking to them from a place where we live and, and you know, hopefully, you know, uh, something that, that we really genuinely care about. Um, and then talking to them about how it just sort of naturally fits into the world that they, you know, that they want to be in. So it really depends on the brand we're working with. Um, and we try really hard to um, pair the content directly to the brand. And luckily with what the content that we do and the brand that we have, we have a lot of flexibility, right? We work across all video games and all movies and all TV shows. So um, we have, I think, you know, the luxury of being able to say, okay, this brand we can pair with this interesting movie that segues really nicely into talking about it. Um, or we, you know, we can pair the brand with the um, with the type of movie that their audience is really going to love or whatever. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, uh, again, just like we ask ourselves the question of, like, what is the goal of this individual piece of content, mm -hmm. we also ask, you know, it's the first question that we ask brands or agencies when we're starting discussions around a brand deal. Like, what are the goals of your campaign and where does our video fit into that, right? Yeah. And it, it boggles our mind that that question a lot of time throws them for a loop. Like, you know, they're what is this? You, I need goals with it? And it's like, yes. Either you know, they are, don't are you have looking... an answer or they don't want to share it with us, which doesn't really make sense when yeah. we're when we're partners. Yeah, so like we're supposed to, like, we're on right. their side. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, you need to know their objectives. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, or, or it's just not going to work. Right, exactly. I mean, the brand needs to bring to the table their objectives, like their, their goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, share their vision with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You come back with a recommendation because you know your audience. You've built up your audience. Yeah. You, you know what they're going to react positively or negatively right. to. And then as a result, just naturally, your audience is happy that the brand, you know, is a good p part of the content. It's, mm -hmm. That's empowered exactly. content and not, yeah. you know, disrupted anything. Yeah, they've helped us do something new or whatever. Yeah. But I will say that a brand coming back with the objective of, oh, we want to raise awareness is that's not an objective. <laughs> it's like, let it be said. What do you, that's not right an objective. <laughs> raising awareness by itself with no metrics or quantitative anything around that. That is not a goal. That's not something that we can really respond to very well it's like if you raise awareness okay does that mean you okay, want the video to, to right. reach this this number of people do you want do you want this number of people to go to check out a website what what does raising awareness actually mean for that brand what is what are the specific metrics that they're actually measuring success by yeah. and they have to use data to do that yes. but it, but it does boil down to like in general i can say like if, if a brand is looking for conversions or looking for, you know, people to actually click the link or, you know, subscribe to their service or check out the product or whatever, uh, doing things that are more in the audience's wheelhouse and more of those, like, fan service right. episodes, though, rather than, like, the subscriber growth and this and that, like, of the content categories that we, as we define them, that's the one that tends to yield the best results for conversion-based brand deals. Mm -hmm. Um, just because, just because, and, and, and it makes sense when you think about it, right? Because they're invested in who we are, they're invested in our content, and they trust us. 
you know, and so we like to say whenever you do a brand deal, you you know, every time you do a video, you're investing into this bank of trust with an audience, right? And every time it's a good video, they're like more invested. They're you know they're they're depositing more into that bank, and it's it's a nice little pot. Every time you ask the audience to do something, you're making a withdrawal from that bank, right? And sometimes it's a very minor withdrawal where it's like watch this other video, low friction, easy ask, easy to ignore. It's not impeding on the content. You know that's that's a very small withdrawal. Follow me on a social channel, okay? A little bit more because you're yeah. pushing them off platform or whatever. Let me do a brand deal. That becomes a much larger withdrawal, mm -hmm. especially if it's a poor fit or poorly integrated into the piece of content. Sure. And so all, all as content creators, as influencers, as brands, you have to be aware of kind of where that deposit sits, how those asks are being, you know, uh, you know, where those asks are falling with the audience, and then making sure to maintain that you're finding the best fit possible, the lowest friction possible, and then, you know, if you do a big ask, making sure that you're making more deposits into that bank account so that way, you know, you're not going bankrupt or you're not overdrawing your account, as it were. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. No, I think I think for like brands today, I think it's I think it's a lot more difficult than most brands realize it is. Because I mean, you you're mentioning earlier like how there's like different verticals that have different cadences, yeah. mm -hmm. and like you know there's going to be a, every vertical is going to react potentially differently. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, to your brand as well, and and with the influencers you work with, like for example, you would think if it has more views, it's going to give you more conversions. Mm -hmm. But most likely, if you're going to work with let's say five music videos, and then like let's say five beauty channels, <laughs> yeah. the beauty channels might get, barely get over you know two hundred thousand views, right? Or, or 50,000 views, and these music videos might get, you know, 100 million views, You're, you might, there's a good chance you're going to get more conversions from yep. the beauty channels. Yeah. And, 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 and sometimes when brands get into the space, it's like, okay, we just need to work with five creators when really they need to be working with dozens and dozens mm -hmm. and then figuring out how they optimize their stra strategy yeah. to, to be more successful. And so when we talk about like AI, yeah, like that, that's been, you know, my number one focus as the CEO of the company I work at. Is, is is building models mm -hmm. and, and, and and doing deep learning neural networks and 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 figuring out how to predict you know success I mean metrics for brands mm -hmm. um, on those different verticals mm -hmm. like okay which areas are you going to get you know the highest organic views which areas mm -hmm. are you going to get the highest click through rate mm -hmm. which areas are you going to get the highest sales and it's a, it's a, what's amazing is there's more content today on this planet than there ever has been. Mm -hmm. And what that means is there's more data than there's ever yeah. been. Well, there's thousands. And I mean, well, there's millions of videos out there. And so creating, you know, algorithms like this, it, 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 there's never been a better time mm -hmm. because you can literally, I mean, as long as you have the data from A to Z, let's say like two conversions, yeah. you can literally, you know, take, you know, several thousand videos you know, look at the structured data, you know, the stuff that you put in a spreadsheet, you know, you know, what are the views, what were the click through rates, you know, what are, you know, what, what is the sentiment, et cetera. But then you can also now, you know, look at the content mm -hmm. in those thousands of different videos. Something that us as humans can't just look at right. and, 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 and see right. the patterns. And, and, and just, just, you can have, like, you know, the machines or like the AI look at that content from the audio to the visual you know, um, to the timing and the mm -hmm. pacing and find success patterns Yeah, and find, I mean, other patterns. And like right now, just with, you know, in this area of AI, we're finding that when it comes to conversions, 
our, our, our machines are 10 times more effective in predicting conversions than, than, than our best humans. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we've had one client that has seen a 10x increase in sales as a result of just using yeah. like the AI. And then when it comes to like predicting views or predicting engagements, it's a, it's a heck of a lot easier. Yeah. It's like 100 times more effective yeah. than right. a human. Well, I, think, I think the complexity of advertising now has literally transformed. I mean, you go back just several years ago, it's like, okay, you're going to go on radio. Okay, we're doing the radio <laughs> yeah, thing, yeah. right? <laughs> we're going to take it and add it to the newspaper. Right, yeah. Here we yeah. go. You know, and, and it's just got more and more complex. Yeah. And, and one thing, and my, my background's in advertising, like that's where I spend a lot of my consulting, a yeah. lot of, uh, you know, different projects and so on. But at the end of the day, that it's really a complex way to reach your audience mm -hmm. now, you know. And it's like, how do you do that? It's like they're all out there. How do you do it? And, and, yeah. and it, when you integrate it to a brand or an influencer, it's even more complicated because then you don't even know their data. Like, yeah. Like how, how many how many creators actually share well, all the nine, data? With nine, Ninety percent of the data though is the unstructured data. Yeah. Right. Well, and but, that's what's funny. And I'd say probably 99% of brands are only using 10% of the structure. Yeah, and yeah. and so the point. things are shifting. Sure, really absolutely. Right now. That's and my point. I think you know, for the future of advertising, it's going to be AI-driven. It's yeah. like mm -hmm. we need to predictively say, oh, yeah. hey, look at this 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 uh, cluster of, of channels because this is you know, this and is something. Go, yeah, that. That's I'd, I'd say it's going to be AI-driven in content. Mm -hmm. Oh, Because if oh, you look oh, yeah. everything, I think the up and coming generations are getting even more tired of traditional ads. Mm -hmm. oh, they're, yeah. they're tired Absolutely. of seeing pre-rolls. Yes. Like my daughter, she's freaking three. I mean, we, we use um, YouTube Premium. And, and we, we try to get her away from ads. We use Netflix with her. And right, yeah. sure, of course. Whenever she sees an ad, mm -hmm. she literally like freaks out. Fools, just, like, cries. Freaks out just, just cries. Just cries. No, no. Like, oh. Hits the iPad. Uh -huh. like, she has a tantrum. She freaks out about it. It's Ricky's daughter. She's a lot like me. But, 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 Lackluster but, content. But, but, I, mean, I mean, one thing, I mean, and this is why it's so important, and this is why AI around video is so important, mm -hmm. because it's not just entertainment that's changing. Yeah. Everything's going to be changing around entertainment, and that's advertising. Yep. And Absolutely. As trends are going to Amazon Prime, or trends are going, you know, to Netflix or YouTube Premium, mm -hmm. I think there's going to be more and more um, people and consumers that are going to try to avoid advertising at all costs. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the tactics that you know you guys do in building content and using AI to figure out how to do that and figure mm -hmm. out how to trigger or or you know um, benefit from the algorithm. Advertisers are going to have to do working with the content. Mm -hmm. Advertisers are also going to get there right now. They're going to get rare. so much smarter though, as well. Mm -hmm. Like one of the things that we were just talking about the other day was um, uh, ESPN's push toward mood-based advertising. Yeah, pr Project which is, Feels, which is scary. Yeah, Project Feels, where which is crazy. where like um, you know, if you're watching it, if if they analyze your entire viewer behavior. They know that you watch a specific team, like religiously or whatever, and that team is doing really well that season or that particular game or whatever. They will feed you an ad that plays into the emotion that you're already feeling or takes the emotion that you're feeling and and uses it to propel you into an ad to make you more likely to respond to that advertisement. Yeah, so, it, so it's the difference of it's like incredible. the Cleveland Cavaliers 
great season, fantastic. Wow, our city has hope for a sports championship finally. Like, let's feed them ads that play into that yeah. and thus see how the conversions are higher because we're giving them positive Specific feeling ads emotions. that are supposed to, yeah, that are supposed yeah. to continue what to trigger when those emotions. Went, went to the right, exactly. and then all of a sudden, <laughs> it's oh, like, oh, LeBron, let's move it let's, to the Lakers now. Yeah, well, and now all of a sudden, we push those those positive feel ads over to the Lakers, and Cleveland is once again in the sports doldrum, <laughs> as we always are, like, as the, as the ebbing and flow of the tides go so too does cleveland sports flow um but uh but now they're gonna funnel a bunch of like hey here's here's messages of hope or like let's look at the or nostalgia. nostalgia yeah exactly that kind of thing so they can uh, advertising is getting so so much smarter and and this project with espn project feels they want to push that through to all of the rest of disney content so you oh, imagine boy. you imagine that going to children's advertising going to family advertising advertising where there's already heightened emotions and really strong emotional bonds between the people asking for the product and the people buying them. Yeah. So it's that pester power becomes that much stronger and, like all oh, that's interesting. all right. of the all of the um, all of the things that we already know about the psychology of advertising gets taken to a completely different level when you're able to target people to that level of specificity. So I think it's going to get scarier. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, let's, let's oh of course. We need yeah. some well, doom and gloom here. So doom well, and gloom, and then we're going to wrap up. Well, from targeting, it's just it's just a couple. Like you feed a couple of like smart target. This this gives people a positive mood, a negative mood, whatever. Mm -hmm. You feed that. This is what a high converting video sounds like and feels yeah. like and looks like. This is what a low converting video looks like yeah. and feels like. You feed that into a system yeah. and all of a sudden like it's it's a hop skip and a jump away to actually artificially creating like the perfect formula of content to do x y or z right no, so that, that's interesting well i think it's gonna get i mean i think it's possible to get to the point where we look at eye open views mm -hmm. so hmm where your device is going to see if your eyes are open if you're if you're watching and, uh -huh. and then it's like I have a heat map. If you, yeah, if, right. If you do become emotional, sure. or if you do become angry, or mm -hmm. if you do laugh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, data is going to get much more intense. Oh, yeah. I move into once the we desert. have those metrics. <laughs> 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 because AI will be able to see live. Yeah. If you're reacting positively or or, or negatively, and and who knows, maybe there's going to be like an A B testing where. There can be different iterations of that ad where, well, it, where it switches. And that phone and, is and in your hand. Oh, yeah. Like the ad itself, yeah. Okay, so we've covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but there's one question that I yes. need to ask. This oh, is a geez. very, very, very important question. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Brace yourself. I, I got to give it some context. Like, I don't know how you guys work together, husband <laughs> and wife. Uh -huh. Let me just give you some context. I yeah, okay. start with this no, question. no, no, no. Like, literally, Ricky, I'm so curious to see what Ricky's wife is working for Ricky. And uh -huh. she, fired, she had. She had. You fired, you fired your wife? Okay, you okay. fired her? There's a rumor. She is delightful. There's, there's, I know. There's, 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 she's there's, a lovely there's, person. There's, she, was, she was creating a resistance against me. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. No, you like, have to no, quell no, that. Yeah, no, no, no. So, no, this is what happened. This is what happened. Man, Daryl. Okay. Let me give context. Give her the pink So, there was a rumor that I fired her twice, and it's not true. Just once. She got fired once then she came back and she quit and that's what happened okay. two, two and, seconds after that's amazing you know, you can't you know fire me. eight months of marriage counseling we're super happy today <laughs> <laughs> i was joking but 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 no some great youtube no, videos no, for she, that. she, she yeah. actually you know used to work um with me before i sold plaid to ben and mm -hmm. in the plaid days and you know she actually you know did, did a lot of really good work but um you know 
Wanted to go into a different career. Okay, done. Sorry. Right. Next. Because when I when I first started my business, it, like I was oh, at gosh. the kitchen table, and my oh, wife yeah. kicked me out of the house. She's like, "You can't even be here. We just go." Well, so, the problem is anyway. you take work home, and oh, so yeah. Dazi and I wouldn't oh, stop yeah. talking about working with creators and with content. Like, sure. That was the conversation. I mean, you know, after work, and we were talking about. I mean, we didn't necessarily work closely together. Yeah. When, but um. But it was one of those things where we couldn't turn it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are you guys doing this? Yeah, like, yeah, because you guys are like uh-huh. business partners to the whole other level. How do you separate running work? multiple businesses? Right. right. It, it's funny to hear you we say. We actually get this question a lot. It, it, it's funny to hear you say take work home because home is work yeah. for <laughs> us. So like there there isn't even a home to take it home to because it's just there. There it is. <laughs> so how do we do it, Steph? Uh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, right. Answer. That's there Answer. it is. That's, that's what you need to no, know. I mean, honestly, though, I think as as horrible as this is to say, separate like how do you separate work and life? You don't. It's everything is a gray area, and I know that that's like the it feels like the worst answer you could give, but everything is kind of a gray area. I will say, um, when we first started working together, this was when Matthew had had quit his job for about four months. Uh, or I, no, I was, I was six months after him. So he quit his job. Six months later, I quit my, my other full-time job and we worked together on YouTube for the, from the day I quit the first four months that we worked together, we worked around the clock. We got up at 7am. We worked till 11pm. We went to bed. There were no weekends. There were no holidays. There was nothing. We got to Christmas and we realized that we had filmed for 12 hours on Christmas day Whoa. Wow! Yeah. from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And we got to the end of that day. True entrepreneurs. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was. The thing Merry was, Christmas. no, we right. got, we got to the end of the day and we realized that not only were the last four months completely gone, like we, we had no memory of what had even happened. We literally took no days off ever. And we got to the end of that and we were like, never again. This mm-hmm cannot go on and it, we have to we have to stop this mm-hmm. and we did and we we it took us and we we're still working on it four years later yeah. but we we clawed back like a couple it was for, at first it was like a couple of nights a week it was literally like saturday night we were like yes we scored yes saturday Sa- li- night. literally saturday night was like the <laughs> and first that was it yeah. and then and then we got like a couple of other nights a week and then we we were like when we um we had a baby six months ago and like about so about a year before that we were like we need a weekend, something like we need weekends, and so we clawed back like part of our weekends. And it would be totally lying if it wasn't like some nights we are up at 11, 12, 1 a.m. talking about work, but other nights we're not, and we're okay with it, and and that's good. And we take weekend days off sometimes, and yes, we check in and do emails, and yes, at the end of the day, like there's recording to do, there's notes to give on a script, what whatever there is, but we can do that and and then let it go. Um, which was something that we had to – even that we had to work on. Um, and then the other instance the, – the, like there have been like a couple of those inflection points, right? Um, there was a trip that we took to Japan, which was um, a wonderful trip. We were having an amazing time. But we, we got there and like on the second day, uh, we were taking videos and pictures and we were like getting really agitated about these videos and pictures that we were taking. And we were like, what are we taking these for? We, could, <laughs> we couldn't under we, – we had to like – actually have a discussion about are we taking these for 
Instagram or for YouTube or something? Or are we taking them? Are these like family photos? Yeah. And so we had like to like draw some. No, it's, it's it's true. We had yeah. we had to start to find like very having very like granular conversations about what is life and what is content. Yeah. And wow. where do those lines exist? And keeping those lines very consistent and very clear amongst the two of us. Yeah. Because and we were always on the same side. It was never like we were having like fights about it it was just like this is so this sucks how do we right. how do we figure this out yeah the, the gray areas were always really tough to deal with and so you never knew what headspace you had to be in and so having those sorts of conversations really were the thing that helped delineate and i think at the end of the day that's how this is able to work right is when we first started working together and still to this day it's just like you approach data it's go in without an ego go in knowing that the other person is always going to be your team member and always by your side and always want the best for both of us. You know, we are we are working on a project together, but at the end of the day, this is what matters most. Exactly. And and so if changes need to be made, if feelings are like if if someone's feeling overwhelmed or whatever, like we and need to be If there needs to be feedback in one direction or another, you give it and you try and take it as much as you can without worrying about without it being a personal thing yeah so uh, and a, a great story to just end on was i didn't realize that people didn't work the same way i work like <laughs> like uh, in all honesty because you don't think to discuss that sort of thing like you know a person you know they're your wife whatever like you think you know them so well that like why would you think to ask like but my working style is i will encounter a problem and i will beat my head against the wall until i break through that problem and i solve it and it's done and it's out out you to pasture lose 48 hours yeah. exactly and it's and it's frustrating and i'm sleepless and i'm angry but i get through it stephanie can't do that like she has to like the best way that she functions is by taking a break clearing her head working on other things, taking a walk, whatever, and then coming back to the problem refreshed, and all of a sudden, all these new avenues and solutions have, have opened up. I wish up. I could do that. Right? <laughs> I, I do too, but I can't. And so th there was this, and, and the two of us are, like, tremendously competitive. And so there was this competition. Like, Stephanie would, Stephanie would feel guilty that I was still there at the desk working, and she, but, and, and so. And he's, she, like, miserable, and I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? Right. And and so there was this like she was feeling pressure to work my way. I was, you know, feeling bad because she wasn't getting to work the way that she wanted. And so we needed this open and outright discussion in those in that first year, really, of like, hey, you feel free to work the way that you do. I'll work the way that I do. It's fine that there are two different ways. At the end of the day, we're working towards the same goal. And there's yeah. there's no competition. No one's doing more work than the other person. We're, we're, That's we're not possible. No one, neither of us can work any more than we are. Right. Anymore. So, like, when, when you're working at max capacity, there is nothing else. Uh, but the, at the end of the day, I think that's what it really boiled down to is like yeah. communicate, communicate, communicate. And, and about things that you don't think that you need to communicate about, about your feelings, like just constantly check in. Or how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Let's talk about that. So it's the same yeah. thing that you're saying for brands, where they're really afraid to look at the analytics. You're just yeah, like, hey, it is. That's what it is. Yeah, look, like, at, look at the data. Look at the data. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Doesn't lie. Yeah. Right. It will fix all. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you guys so much for coming in. Thank and you. And being a part of it. Thank you so much for having us. This has just been fun. I, I could literally do this for hours, like, especially the AI stuff. I just I wanted more. I'd love yeah. to have him back. <laughs> hey, <laughs> any time we're just a hop, skip, and a jump it away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Make sure that you actually download this for your own fun for the future. And please don't fire your wife. <laughs> it didn't work out very good for Ricky. Oh no! Go disrupt the world. Be like the Patricks. <laughs> <laughs>